welcome to today's episode of After the Applause, hosted by myself, Emily Schalbetter. In this episode, I interview Gabriel Hightower, who happens to be a dear friend of mine. He started playing the cello at nine years old, and he studied with Dr. Ben Myers at Howard Community College for his first few years of cello playing. He was invited to attend the Sphinx Performance Academy at Northwestern University, where he worked on cello performance with Dr. Marianne Ramos and chamber performance with Carlos Rodriguez of the Catalyst Quartet. He's played in master classes led by Amit Paled, Norman Fisher, and the Harlem String Quartet. Gabriel is a recent graduate of the University of Maryland College Park and studied cello performance with Dr. Eric Kutz. He is currently in his second year of grad school at Carnegie Mellon University, where he studies with Anne Martindale-Williams. Without further ado, let's hear from Gabe. Hi, my name is Gabriel Hightower. I'm from Columbia, Maryland. I've been playing the cello for about 13 or 14 years now. And how would you describe your musical background? I want to say classically trained cellist. That's kind of been my focus, or at least where I've been pushed to study for the past 13 or 14 years. Uh, the past three to four years, I've been kind of branching out more towards like playing in like, well, I was in like an indie band for a bit and let's see what else. No, you're good. You played in a new music ensemble at Carnegie Mellon, right? Oh yeah, that too. Then there's the uh, Baroque ensemble as well and chamber music, of course. That's pretty much it. Cool. Um, what is your favorite kind of music to play? Anything that slaps for me. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's such a good of... answer. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so did you start taking private lessons like 13, 14 years ago, or did you start playing in school? Yeah, so I started playing uh, just in school when I was like, I want to say 9, 10 years old. I don't think I started lessons until maybe I was like 10 or 11 which is still pretty, like, pretty nice. I'm very fortunate to have parents that were able to do that for me. Because, like, I remember, I think it was the uh, strings instructor at the elementary school. Either she had talked to me or she had talked directly to my parents and advised that I start with uh, private lessons because I was, like, progressing at a pretty fast rate. And it was something, uh, just music in general, was something that I really just like doing. Um... So yeah, my parents were like, all right, cool. We will get you a private instructor and go from there. Sure. Uh, when did you start getting really serious about wanting to play music professionally? I had always kind of been serious. or had always kind of been in the back of my head. There was, my mom always told me this um, when, well, she still likes to tell this story. There's a showcase for third graders at our school for string instruments, because that's when you can start playing an instrument, at least in Howard County. And I remember coming home because I was like, oh man, that cello, it looks really nice. The teacher said that if you have long arms, big hands, you'd be best suited to play either the cello or the string bass. And I think I wanted to play the cello because somebody played like Star Wars or some cool song that I was like, oh man, that's, that's really cool. I want to play that on that instrument on the cello so mm -hmm. I remember coming home and I think my mom said I made a proclamation in front of her and my dad and I was like yeah I'm going to become a professional cellist and it's that's how it's always kind of been so far that's I've awesome. kind of just been <clears throat> thank you <laughs> yeah of course
Let's take a quick break and listen to Gabe playing Elfentance by David Popper. you say your career goals are now oh man i know it's a big question yeah to be honest i just overall the like goal in the back of my head has always been to like make an impact uh leave the world better than when i was brought into it one thing that i've really wanted to do um i don't know how i'm gonna do this still but the one thing that i really want to do is change the demographic of just the uh, classical music industry. Just have a better representation. I think that we could all benefit from a wider spread of people rather than just having one 
subset that makes up the majority. Yeah, that makes sense. When do you remember first being aware that that was an issue that was important to you? Oh man, that had been something that when you're in like elementary school, I went to a pretty diverse school and that's another thing I'm very fortunate for and grateful for. Um, but just the makeup of just the ensembles is just like you didn't really notice like, oh man, like it's it's pretty well spread of everybody in the community. But when you get to middle school and you start to see the drop off, mm. okay, well, let's see, I have, they're more, like they're less like people of color that make up these ensembles. And then by the time you get to high school or you're in youth orchestra, in my case, it's just, you're practically non-existent. Mm. And it gets worse as you keep climbing up the ladder in education. Right now for uh, my grad school program, I, I really don't like saying this, but I'm like one of two uh, people of color that are in the uh, strings department. Wow. I didn't even yep. realize it was, it was that drastic, yeah. um, particularly at your school. That is a really staggering number. Um, can you talk about some of your, uh, if you're comfortable talking about some of your experiences um, at Carnegie Mellon re- with regards to trying to improve diverse programming and um, encourage people of less represented demographics and participation and when you might have had more struggle with that kind of issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I came in last year around this time and it always been in the back of my head, okay, how do I want to like tackle this? What do I want to do first? And I remember going to a career advisor that specialized in talking to uh, just the, the students at the School of Music. Mm-hmm. And her suggestion to me when I was telling her all of this was, she was like, all right, here's somebody that we have at our school that's uh, the, uh, what is she? the director of the entrepreneurship program here Mm at CMU for the School of Music specifically. And she's been doing like, well, I don't know if it's still going on or not, but it was called Beethoven in the Face of Diversity. And it was just her going around uh, to places that like, wherever wherever it was like needed, uh, she would just go around and play the Beethoven violin concerto in D major for an audience and everything. Mm And the advisor was like, yeah, so I suggest you reach out to this person. I'll help like facilitate the conversation a bit or something like that. And from there, I was able to meet that director. Her name's Monique Mead. And yeah, she's just, I remember her being very friendly, very opening and just supportive. And she still is like, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how to go about implementing this idea that we've been talking about, which is trying to foster some kind of relationship between the Pittsburgh public school systems and Carnegie Mellon in terms of the arts, because we have a preparatory school, um, which, you know, starts kids off at a young age, exposes them to just private instruction at a very high level. And for me, it's not hard to notice in the city that, I mean, the people that are affected and, and just the disparities are in terms of like race and everything. I mean, like, the city isn't very great for uh, African-Americans. I think um, there have been articles published stating that, I mean, this is like one of the worst cities for black women to live in, Mm. which is terrible. So my thought process has always been, okay, if you have 
black person come into a concert and they see a black person playing at a high degree on stage and everything, that'll inspire them to some degree, that'll facilitate some formal conversation, and you'll be doing one good thing, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what the question was. No, no, that's a great answer. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, your experiences with Sphinx? Yeah, man. Uh, man, Sphinx, that went back about... Really started off with their... Uh, they had, like, summer programs. I think right now they have them based with, like, Juilliard or Curtis. But at the time when I was... What, I was, like, either a rising junior or a rising sophomore, but I got put into their summer programs, I auditioned for it and everything, and I wound up spending two weeks at Northwestern. It was an amazing experience, mm. just because they give you like a regiment of practicing, coaching, and chamber music, and it's, it's empowering because you're playing this great music with colleagues that look like you. Mm. And that was my first exposure to Sphinx. Going forward, I remember they just recently started with their um, their conference that they hold in January or February of each year. It's fairly new. I want to say it's like three or four years old. So side note, in this portion of the episode, Gabe talks a bit about some of our classmates that we went to school with, just so you're not lost when you hear him give a list of names. But I think the highlight for like last year in particular, like you remember Daphne, Lauren, Kristen, Phil, me, and I want to say this everyone, but we all got um, fellowships to go there for free, and then we got housing and everything taken care of. And I like what they're doing in terms of just, they're just trying to create a space with which we can network and meet uh, other people in our field, which is great. On top of that, they have other opportunities for really just growing as a performing artist. They have the competition, they have SOPA, I'm forgetting what the acronym stands for, Sphinx Orchestral Partners Auditions, which is something I'm, I want to do, hopefully this year, if things, you know, improve. We'll see, man, we'll see what happens. <laughs> do you have any things that you're pursuing outside of performing directly, but still involved with the arts? And do you have any particular goals in that arena? Yeah, um, I've been doing an internship with uh, just marketing communications with a arts organization in downtown Columbia last summer. And that was really nice, just um, getting outside of just being a performer. I've always kind of wanted to uh, do something other than perform, uh, kind of just expand on my skill set and everything. But with them, it was kind of, it was a mix and match of just responsibilities that include just like compiling like donor lists and everything, sending out mass emails, keeping track of events and whatnot on calendar lists. I got the opportunity to shadow the um, artistic director, uh, Darren Atwater who's the founder of Soulful Symphony that's been based in Baltimore for almost 20 years, but now they've moved to Meriwether Post Pavilion in downtown Columbia. So that was that's kind of been what I've been up to, uh, and that kind of carried over into what I do now as a graduate assistant at CMU. I get to work in the uh, marketing communications office for the School of Music. Uh, granted, 
I'm not sure what we're going to be doing this time around because concerts aren't, you know, really sure. going to be a thing. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping, well, I've been talking to the director and we're trying to come up with things for me to do in terms of just training and whatnot and helping out here and there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. So can you, um, kind of changing lanes a little bit, could you tell yeah. me about a life-changing or inspiring experience that you had within the arts? Yeah, let's see. I want to say the um, uh, Sphinx Connect uh, 2019, that was pretty nice. I think the main highlight of it was probably seeing uh, Sterling Elliott win that concerto competition. He played an amazing, like, he, he was just like, amazing his technique and everything interpretation of schumann's cello concerto like the third movement it was awesome and he brought out this cadenza that hasn't really been played in a while there's one virtuoso cellist uh man he's a russian cellist i'm forgetting the name of him but he he has like this amazing cadenza and sterling just played it like no no uh no sweat Mm. no nothing so i mean that was just inspiring because i'm like oh man there's someone that I want to emulate and they're playing and everything and just be like them. That's really cool. That also answers my next question, which is, you know, who are some of your role models? And it certainly sounds like he was one of them. Yeah. Do you have any other role models that, or people who um, you have found to be influences on you, whether that's professionally, musically, people whose music or art that you love? It can range anywhere from uh, friends and family members to, uh, teachers for the most part for me I think my friends in particular it's more of just I want to do better I just want to continue to grow and be a better version of myself each day because of them just hearing their stories and seeing what they've accomplished so far in their lives it's kind of just something where like oh man now I gotta now I gotta start like pushing myself and continuing to grow I don't know have you had like any like teachers that have really just been supportive of your endeavors and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Carmen, my teacher um, throughout UMD was, she saw me for the kind of musician I was really early on. And even though it was a little bit different than the kind of music other people wanted to be singing, she always supported me in it because she knew that it's what suited me best. Were there any um, moments in your musical education experience, which I know is still ongoing, but that strike you as like positive memories or times when you felt really supported? Yeah, there've always been music teachers that have seen something in me that I've never really seen in myself. Mm. And they've encouraged me more or less. I don't know, I feel like sometimes it's easy to get weighed down by just, I look at what I'm not and sometimes that can get me down. And with them, they see me for who I am, but they're like, we see what you could be and what you can be, and we're not going to stop trying to help you and supporting you. Yeah, that's really so, important. Yeah. Someone definitely argued that that's the most important thing an educator can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think this is, we're coming to the end of my questions for you today, but just as a, a really broad closing question, how do you think that the music industry uh, and or educational system needs to change? I think we need to have just more representation in general at all levels. If you want to make any like sweeping changes, 
you need to have more people of color in these spaces. You have to have more people of color on the boards for these professional ensembles. You need to have more people of color as music directors. You need to have more people of color as the musicians. You have to have more people of color as uh, educators. In order for there to be some sweeping change and for, to the music industry in particular, that's for me, that's what I think needs to happen. Sure. Okay, so actually I lied. I do have one more question for you, but it's not, awesome. a, it's not a hard one. Tell me about something that you've been listening to a lot lately and have just been completely enthralled with. It doesn't have to be classical. It can be whatever you want. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I was actually, uh, me and my friends this summer, we've been listening to uh, Rage Against the Machine a lot. Like, I love the uh, switch up and everything. I love the energy. I love the message. And it's just like, it's some head-banging music, and you have to have that, especially right now. Hell yeah. Oh my god. We all need a little head-banging. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of After the Applause. We are so grateful for your listening, and if you are interested in listening to more, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We also just launched a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash after the applause. On our Patreon, you can find subscription options, most of which come with some sort of exclusive benefit. And if you sign up in the next two weeks or so, you'll be able to get a handwritten card from me, Emily. So get on that get on patreon give us a subscribe if you like what you hear because i do all of the production interviewing everything myself and i can devote more time to creating the content that you love if uh we get a little bit of support that way so if you're interested check us out on patreon and i think that's all have a great week everybody bye bye